Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, December 2nd, 2010. going to be a little bit different today. Friday light on Thursday. Tomorrow is not a light show, but it's not a normal show. I'll explain details here in a minute. Reading one last email here. Hang, hang on. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I'm your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which help you to think biblically help you to think critically and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Let's talk about today's program and tomorrow's program. Today we're going to do a Friday light on Thursday. We're getting closer to Friday again. You know, I feel like that that's somewhat appropriate. Like we've, the last couple of times we did Friday light, we did it on Wednesday, and if we just jumped right back to Friday, then that would, like, jolt your system and, you know, you you might just fall over dead. I, I don't want to be responsible for uh, injuring anybody by too abruptly swinging Friday light back to Friday. So we're doing it on Thursday today. And so today will be part three of our series that we're doing on the uh, Two Natures in Christ, working through Martin Chemnitz's book with uh, Dr. Rosenblatt lecturing. If you don't have a copy of that book, I recommend that you get a copy uh, visit uh, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see a, a black book on you know on the left hand side of the uh, of the web page. Click on it. It'll take you over to uh, Amazon, and you can uh, either pick up a Kindle version, even if you don't have a Kindle. If you have a smartphone, that's great. Or you can uh, you you have other purchasing options that are available there. Please, please, please grab a copy and uh, join us in studying this book. I guarantee you it will be beneficial. Um, today, uh, the reason why we're doing Friday Light today is because I'm in the process of pre-recording two programs. Today's program and tomorrow's program. Tomorrow we're going to play the balance of the audio from my uh, debate with Doug Paget on the uh, Doctrine of Hell. We, I, I haven't gotten back to that with Kimblegate and everything else that went haywire I I did not get back to uh, getting that posted, so I'm going to get that posted, and then uh, we'll probably continue with the debrief next week. And you're going, well, why are you pre-recording? Glad you asked, and uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, I have been invited to be a speaker at the uh, Outlaw Preacher reunion. You're going, the what? Yeah, well, uh, y'all remember Phil Shepard of the Outlaw Preachers? And you're going, yeah, he's kind of an emergent type, right? Well, one of the things about the emergent uh, conversation is that it claims to be a conversation and that all people and all voices and all, quote, Christian traditions are welcome at the table as part of the conversation. And so uh, since I've been attending uh, many different emergent conferences and been listening to them you know, quietly and learning, uh, they have decided that uh, in order for them to be consistent, if they, if they truly claim that all voices are welcome in the conversation. One of the voices that has been clearly missing uh, from the emergent conversation is one that is, uh, well, for lack of a better way of putting it, more confessional and more conservative. And so uh, they have asked if I would be willing to uh, come and be one of the breakout speakers at the Outlaw Preacher reunion. And I said, "Uh, okay, sure. I mean, if somebody invited me to go to hell and preach the gospel, I'd go. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm going to be one of the, uh, 
breakout speakers at the Outlaw Preacher Reunion. Now, this does not mean that I'm in fellowship with them or that I agree with uh, what the other speakers are saying. That's not what that is at all. Conference does not equal church. And uh, so I'm not going to be participating in worship or fellowship with them, but I have been invited to uh, to be a speaker. And uh, I've chosen an appropriate topic based upon the book of Jonah. And I'm going to be talking about uh, religious abuse. I'm going to be talking about uh, empire. I'm going to be talking, uh, I'm going to also be proclaiming the gospel, uh, especially in light of the book of Jonah. And so I'm going to be traveling to Memphis, Tennessee, to be one of the speakers, and it's kind of a first. I, you know, I, I have, I hadn't, I've never been invited to speak uh, at a place where I'm pretty sure that 90 percent or more of the folks that are going to be in attendance um, are not where I'm. We're not going to be on even remotely the same page theologically. So this is going to be very interesting, and I will be recording my lecture uh, at the Outlaw Preacher reunion. So and playing that for you, so that no pernicious. Uh, rumors get started about uh, what I was doing there. So, uh, you know, pray for me. I'm excited to go. I have many friends who are in the uh, emergent conversation, some of which are outlaw preachers. I look forward to uh, spending some time with them. Um, I I look forward to listening uh, to the other speakers so I can better understand the theology that they are putting out there, and also uh, looking forward to the opportunity to proclaiming Christ and Him crucified for our sins, and proclaiming repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, uh, even at uh, an emergent or you know para-emergent event. So this is uh, definitely unique and definitely different. And you're sitting there going, but but but, but, but can you do that? I'm all, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. You can preach the gospel anywhere. But 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 aren't you? But by going there, aren't people going to think that you're in fellowship with them? Uh, well, if that's what they think, then it's kind of silly because I've just said that I'm not, and that the reason why I was invited is is not because I agree with them, but because I disagree, and they wanted to be consistent in saying that all voices were welcome at the conversation. So, people who are going to try to spin this thing into some kind of a tacit endorsement. Um, you know, or do so by suppressing the entire explanation given by uh, the primary source, me, as to why I was invited and what I'm going to do there. So, anyway, keep me in your prayers. It's I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to the travel, though. I still do not feel well. I'm I'm still under the weather, and so not looking forward to uh, driving to Memphis. Uh, <laughs> feeling the way that I do, this is going to be all kinds of fun. Anyway, and and plus we're supposed to have snow on uh, on Saturday, so I I think getting home is going to be a trick. But anyway, uh, that's what's going on. So tomorrow we're going. I'll be playing the balance of my uh, debate with Doug Paget, and uh, today we're going to be listening to Doctor Rosenblatt. So without any further ado, here is Doctor Rod Rosenblatt, Part Three on the Two Natures in Christ. Next Sunday, Dale is going to walk us through some of the definitional stuff. Uh, He's much more equipped to do that than I. It was chapter one, so I've asked his help with that. Today, we're going to do the introductory chapter on the hypostatic union. We've done the true humanity of Christ, the true deity of Christ through the passages, and now we're going to do some of the passages that have to do with that he is one person, not schizzy, not Sybil, not a multi. Um, and in a way, the rest of the book is going to work out the ramifications of what we're just going to look at this morning. This is just the basics, and then the coming chapters are going to do the outworkings of the basics. But this chapter is just intro to the hypostatic union. Fair enough? All right. It is not sufficient to know and believe that in some way or other there are two natures in Christ, the divine and the human. We must add that they have been joined together so intimately in a personal union that there is one and the same person consisting of and and subsisting in these two natures. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Not two lords, but one Lord Jesus Christ. 
2 Corinthians 5.15, not many lords, but one Christ who died for us. 2 Corinthians 11.12, you've been espoused to one man, Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5, there are not two mediators, but one. Romans 5, there's one Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, one is your master, Christ. Then passages describing the union. John 1.14, the word was made flesh. Hebrews 2.14, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, so Jesus also became partaker of them. Hebrews 2, he assumed the seed of Abraham. Philippians 2, he took on the form of a servant. Galatians 4, sent, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law. Romans 1, 3, the Son of God was begotten of the seed of David according to the flesh. Uh, Divine beings don't usually have a lineage you can trace. He did. Again, Colossians 2.9, in Christ dwells the whole fullness of the Godhead bodily. Uh, and then subdivisions of that. Uh, you can do those on your own, but I gave you, I, I hoped enough that you, I could give you the semblance of what was going on in the passage. Conclusion, it is clear from these passages of Scripture that these two natures in Christ have been united into the unity of one person. Now, what he's going to say later on, not in this chapter, is he's going to say, when you talk about the Christ, talk about the whole person. And we say, well, as opposed to what? As, to po- talk, as opposed to talking about, ah, that was the divine nature doing this, or ah, that was the human nature doing that. Chemnitz says, don't talk like that. If the Reformed want to talk like that, let them talk like that. Don't you do it. Okay? Make your predications about the whole Christ, including his humanity. All right? What this hypostatic union or personal union of the two natures in Christ is, okay, the names. The name of the Messiah is called Emmanuel, God with us. The name of the branch of David is called Yahweh. The Son of Man is called the Son of God. Therefore, the person of Christ ought to be recognized, invoked, and honored because of the union of these two natures in the one person. Paul calls this a great mystery, 1 Timothy 3.16. And thank goodness Chemnitz does a little digression on that because it's sort of broader than what he's dealing with here. There are places in Scripture where we've got to say this is a mystery. If we don't get it, Scripture will teach us that by calling it that. But, says Chemnitz, he has revealed some stuff about this. We're not totally at sea without a rudder. Those things we ought to affirm. Now, overall, that is a great lesson for good theology. You go to your knees when it has to do with what is beyond us, and you call it a mystery. And then for those who are charging us with always calling on that category and never really being on the battlefield, the answer is, no, 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 we're coming onto the battlefield. It's just that we don't believe that we're going to comprehend the whole enchilada. But we're going to defend those details that Scripture gives us. Does that make sense? And so he does a little digression on that. Paul calls it a great mystery. Mystery of this union far surpasses the mind, comprehension, and language of all men. Yet, Scripture tells us as much as we need to know and believe in this life in order to be saved. We are to restrain ourselves within the bounds of the divine revelation given us in the scriptures and be content with the simplicity of the partial knowledge which is given, demonstrated, and set before us in this life by the sure and clear testimonies of scripture, albeit in part through a mirror, as it were in a riddle. As for the rest of the matters, let's defer. Set them aside for that other heavenly school. I mean, this, this is way beyond just the two natures and the hypostatic union. This, is, this sort of defines Lutherans uh, as we are. I, I can't tell you how awful it was to be at a liberal Lutheran seminary in a lot of ways, but one that 
think of here. They had discovered Kierkegaard, my fellow Dane. And they were using Kierkegaard to rejoice in paradox, irrationality. The theology of the cross was God is most revealed where he's most hidden, and they were rolling. And for somebody who's interested in apologetics, it was dark days. Because the one who wants to do apologetics wants to defend that Jesus was in fact the Christ, and this can be known by fulfilled prophecy, miracle, and particularly his resurrection from the dead, and my own Lutheran Kierkegaard they were using to stop all that. He made fun of people like me and Dr. Montgomery as those who walk around with their briefcases full of proofs. So, um, we leave some things aside for that heavenly school, But the things that are given to us, says Kevin, are given to us for a reason. We should take a look at those and read inwardly, mark, and digest. All right. Um, The general agreement of pious men, God was manifest in the flesh. This is eternal life, that we might know the Father, the only true God, and the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ. Um, John 17, 3, Isaiah 53, for the Messiah by the knowledge of him will justify many. Peter's confession, you are the Christ, Matthew 16. Many have endeavored to resolve the problem in a brief summary and boiled it down to this, quote, that the hypostatic union is the highest and most intimate coming together by which the divine nature assumes and the human nature is assumed and made the property of the divine nature so that these two natures, apart from all change or commingling or mixing of natures, come together, concur, and are united to produce one person, one Christ. Okay? Problem, says Chemnitz. The whole doctrine can't be understood fully by this kind of brief statement. So he's going to, in this chapter, expand it a little, but it's not that he's going to overthrow this, he's just going to expand it a little. The goal must not just be brevity, but that the chief points of the entire doctrine may be understood. It's necessary we we define things on the basis of their causes, their consequences, and their effects. That's what Dale's going to do with you in some detail next Sunday. Chemnitz, we can formulate, if not an intricate definition, at least a simple and plain description or illustration of this union which will correctly and accurately include a brief explanation of its cause, efficient cause, the material from which it's composed, the subject of the union, the form of the union, purpose of the union, the communion which follows, and the significance of his state of humiliation and exaltation. Uh, Those you can do on your own. And, oops, there's a typo. Um, Then his rather plain... That's a typo. As a secretary, I'd be fired in a week. Simple and unadorned. And page three, probably, uh, I'm going to say, why don't you look at it this week rather than me doing it in detail here. And maybe we can, after Dale's done his, we can bring this back with you and take a look. Because what he's doing through most of the third page of this outline, and I just transcribed it, is really the whole thing that's at issue for the rest of the book. Okay? So take a look at it, and we'll revisit it uh, next Sunday morning uh, and allow some time for questions on it. Um, I think rather than... I'd rather have you take a look at it, and then we'll do it again next Sunday. Fair enough? But let me talk about the, the upshot of the thing to sort of guide your reading. In the incarnation, you have the Trinity overshadowing Mary and the divine nature of the Son of God is granted or is from on high without a male father 
And the result is that the eternal word assumes to himself something he didn't have earlier, a human nature. And one he's going to defend that he will have forever. The time of this will not end with his ascension. He assumed to himself a true human nature. And we've looked at all kinds of verses on that already from Hebrews. All as ours yet without sin assumed it into the unity of his person, made it his property with an inseparable union and an everlasting connection, yet without a commingling of natures. Uh, this is, again, Sproul's charge that, you know, Lutherans or Monophysites or Eutychians, yet without a, co- a mixing of the natures um, so that there aren't two Christs but one in one united person, you have two natures joined together forever. Um, and that when we consider this thing as to the nature, the divine nature of the Logos, it always should be done never putting aside that he is flesh, that he assumed flesh, never talking about it in abstracto, but in concreto, this man. In this case, you can say man is God, and God is man in this one case. This makes Calvinists hyperventilate, I think. Um, So within this hypostatic union, we will talk about the natures, and we will always do it in terms of that the one person possesses these two natures now forever. Um, And then he links it to our salvation in the closed part of the section. He's not doing metaphysics. He's not doing theoretical. He's doing some of that New Testament stuff that is sort of a hidden divine must. It is necessary that the Son of Man be delivered into the hands of sinners and die and rise again the third day. There's some sort of inner necessity that we see in the text over and over again If we are to be saved, he's going to have to do this for us, and he's going to have to do it in the flesh. So take a look at those uh, things, and then we'll we'll maybe take a few minutes with it uh, next time. And, And if we have a little time today, too, if you want to glance through it. But just so that if this is the defining paragraph of the rest of the book, you know, it's worth taking a look at. Okay? By the way, I did this at a Ligonier conference one time. The conference was in San Diego, and it was on the majesty of Christ. So I was doing all of this, and I did it in a seminar. You know, that's uh, you know a little group. They have several of them, and I was doing one of them on the majesty of Christ. And I was doing the two natures and the hypostatic union and how this saves us and how it gives us assurance and so forth and so forth. R.C. had not yet given his opening plenary address. So the first night after some of these seminars had met, he's there, and there are 2,000 Reformed Christians with their legal pads ready to write as he gives the opening address. And he's about 20 or 25 minutes into that opening address on the majesty of Christ, and he stops for a minute and looks out at all of these people and says, and on this, Rosenblatt's wrong. And probably everybody said, who's Rosenblatt and who cares if he's wrong? (laughs) But he had gotten word of me doing the hypostatic union and the communication in the little seminar at a Ligonier conference. So I see, I wasn't there that night, but I see him the next morning and uh, come walking toward him and he's got this big smile on his face. And he said, before you ask anything, Rod, let me, let me ask you one question. I said, okay. He said, if you had 1,600 people in a live mic, would you have done it to me? I said, absolutely. (laughs) But it was this stuff. It was this stuff. Um, So, the union took place for us men and for our salvation, bottom of three. Redemption had to take place through suffering and death. The human nature was necessary. And since the serpent's head had to be crushed by divine power through death, the divine nature was also necessary in the person of the Redeemer. 
It pleased God that for our comfort, the assumed nature might be employed for the Christ to fulfill his offices of Christ, priest, and king in, with, and through each nature. Okay, over onto the next page, on to four. From this union, we see results taking place between the united natures and their attributes, a communion or participation, not of commingling or transmutation of the natures, but one which corresponds to a true actual union, like the soul with the body, or, and this is a very common simile, as fire heating iron. Iron heated with fire. Sorry. (laughs) And what they basically said was that as iron is heated by a blacksmith or whatever, as it is heated, it comes to glow red hot with heat, but it never became fire, and the fire never became iron. This is not original with Chemnitz. This has a long history, but he uses it to say, don't imagine for a minute that we're talking about the nature's commingling because we're not. Think of body and soul or iron heated by fire. His deity shows out through his body, his humanity. We've looked at passages like that. Um, In the case, for instance, of the centurion, he says to him, though I'm not even worthy to be under the same roof as you, I'm one committed with knowledge of power. When my underlings listen to me and I tell them to go, they go. And if I tell them to come, they come, they know. And I know if you say the word, my daughter will live. And he could have done that every time. As we go through Chemnitz, we'll find out that he didn't always. Did he have to spit in the dirt and make mud and put it on that guy, those guys, that guy's eyes in order to heal him? No. Why? Chemnitz speculates. Because we are inveterate spiritual or spiritualizing people. And in order to get across to us things like this, many times he did it through his body or did it through physicality so that we didn't start ascending to being spiritual, more spiritual than God, Luther says. And Chemnitz, he calls it a speculation, but he says, this is to prevent us from starting to float into that. We are going to worship. We're going to worship the one who is flesh. Huh? And he delivered to us great gifts. There's a got a microphone got uh, great gifts to us and it's going to be through the body and and we're to keep that in mind all right we're going to pause right there we're up on our first break if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so my email address talkbackfightingforthefaith.com or you can ask to be my friend on facebook it's facebook.com forward slash pirate christian or you can follow me on twitter my name there pirate christian we'll be right back Pitching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Service. This is Josh. 
How can I help you today? Yes, I would like to return the Jesus I received from you. I heard there was a 60-day return policy. Yes, sir, there is. But can I ask you why you want to return Jesus? Well, I was told if I received Jesus, he'd fix all my problems. And quite honestly, I'm not satisfied with this Jesus. Sir, what is your Jesus doing right now? Nothing. He just sits there. Have you taken time to feed your Jesus? Well, I went to church for the preaching, but nothing has happened. Sir, if you read the fine print on the warranty, you'll see that you are responsible for feeding, not the church or the pastor. Oh. Well, can I exchange this Jesus for another? Sir, what kind of Jesus are you looking for? I need the Jesus that forgives sins. You know, changes your life on the inside, helps you overcome the sins of the flesh, never leaves me nor forsakes me, and will take me to heaven when I die. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We don't stock that Jesus here. You'll have to go somewhere else to have that Jesus. Well, I guess I'll just stick with the one I got since I already opened the box. Wonderful, sir. Can I interest you in getting Jesus for your friends and family? Why would I do that? Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseboro here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. The Christmas season is upon us. It's time for parties and gifts and all that kind of stuff. Do you have a Christmas party or potluck that you need to plan for? Or maybe you enjoy giving food gifts for Christmas. Either way, Pirate Christian Radio's featured holiday sponsor, the Wisconsin Cheese Man, has a huge variety of gourmet cheeses, sausages, cakes, and cookies. Oh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Just for you. They have gifts such as their cheese and sausage combo pack or their cheese great gift basket or my personal favorite, the Big Nibbler. Whatever your holiday taste might be, the Wisconsin Cheese Man has exactly what you're looking for. So if you would like to purchase something from the Wisconsin Cheese Man, visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheese. Click on the banner provided there and you will be taken to the promised land of gourmet cheeses. <laughs> and just remember, a portion of everything you purchase from the Wisconsin Cheese Man, after you've clicked on that link, goes to support Pirate Christian Radio. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheese today. Despite the so-called chastisement of the Reformed, Lutherans are not Eutychians. <laughs> Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us financially. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount, you can make a one-time contribution by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send that along to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. 
All right, let's continue with our lecture from Dr. Rod Rosenblatt, uh, part three on the two natures in Christ, a lecture series working through the book by, uh, by the same name by Martin Chemnitz. Here we go. Yes. Are you going to address uh, the passage in one of the Gospels where it talks about how he could do no miracles there? It's a Is usually, that coming Yes. Up? It's usually a concatenation of two passages. Check this on your own during the week. One of them in Matthew says, and he could do no miracle there, and he marveled at their unbelief. The one in Mark, maybe I've flipped these, but it's one or the other. And the one in Mark says, and he could do no miracle there. Oh, and he marveled at their unbelief. And the other one was that, that uh, because of their unbelief. Check the two passages. And usually what we do, we take the first part of one and the second part of the other and plug them together. But I, I will tackle it. It's, it's an apologetic question and worth tackling. Um, same thing as when we get into talking about the states of Christ. I hope you did that in your catechism. Uh, the state of his humiliation... Uh, following the Apostles' Creed downwards, and then the state of his exaltation. Many times, when Chemnitz and the others are going to be dealing with problem passages, they're going to be using that category of the states of Christ. That is, that it's an outworking of Galatians 4, that he, uh, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under law, that a lot of these things were for our sake. For our sake. For instance, use the category of power. Was he omnipotent? Absolutely. But you don't see him going around like a miracle worker, you know, healing whole towns at will or what we think he ought to do. Says Chemnitz. He, he, he showed out of his body his divine power and identity enough for us to get it. But he held in check most of the time that which he possessed from all eternity and still possessed. Now, if he didn't ever show it, you and I would be up a crick. But thank God he did. Over disease, death, nature... You know, all of those categories, we've got enough to ground our belief in his, his omnipotence. Um, Chemnitz is going to do that through the, two na- <clears throat> through the state of humiliation and the state of exaltation. And the same thing with categories of knowledge. When's your going to be the day of your return? Of that day, no man knows, not even the Son, but only the Father. And people not like me go, whoa, talk to me. Well, in the same way as he held in check a lot, his power, he had the right to hold in check his knowledge in his state of humiliation. But we have enough. If that were the only verse I had, I'd be up a crick, just up a crick. But it's not the only verse I've got. You see what I mean? And we're going to do some of this as we go through chemists because those are going to be some of the questions. Yes. Last week, we talked about Jesus ascending to heaven and retaining his humanity. Yes. And then that took me to God is a spirit, worship him in spirit and truth. The Trinity is one. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I know we can implore, invoke the Holy Spirit. Does Jesus, according to this paradigm, is he in heaven? Only in heaven in his humanity? No, it's both. Um, I know the, that's... There a, are going to be sections in here on the whole trinity did not become incarnate. The Father did not become incarnate. The Spirit did not become incarnate. The Word became incarnate. And he's going to do that in pretty great detail. Um, Yeah, uh, so I'm going to sort of defer on that to later chapters. And in 1 John, the Word. Yeah, you you can say the Father. By the way, did you know there aren't a lot of passages on the Father being Spirit? There's, they're not, if you look. But uh, Chemnitz is going to go through this, and he's going to say this, but not that. 
and it's straight Trinitarian stuff. Okay? All right. Uh, the very brief form again, I'll let you... Let's see, wait a minute. Okay, um, four. Since only the divine nature of itself is perfect and immutable, nothing is added to or subtracted from it by the union. But because of the human nature of itself and of its own constitution, it is not sufficient and suitable for all the functions of the kingship, priesthood, and lordship of Christ. It received from the union with the Logos incomprehensible and ineffable gifts, infinite gifts. The human nature in Christ is ornamented with infinite gifts. And this is going to be the background to, but how can he appear in a locked room? Or how can his body and blood be present on an altar when he's locatable at the right hand of the Father? Here's where you're starting to see the machinery of it. The human nature received infinite gifts after his resurrection from the dead, such that, though Newton wasn't born yet, such that you don't judge him by Newton. Uh, he's, there's already the argument with the Reformed. Uh, and you can see what he's going to argue here. You don't start limiting what a human nature can do because Jesus had a human nature. You find out what incarnate gods can do by the incarnate Christ doing what he did, but you don't judge him by physics. Okay? All right, and some illustration about the workings of the union and what it isn't. The human nature received and possessed this majesty in the first moment of the union, when the whole fullness of the deity began to dwell bodily in Christ. Conception. By reason of this, in the time of the humiliation, the human nature did not always exercise and use the majesty. I was talking about that earlier. But when the servant form was laid aside in the resurrection and ascension, the human nature was exalted to the full and manifest possession and use of it through the session at the right hand of the majesty and the power of God. There's that linkage again with how can you possibly believe that me drinking cheap wine gives me the forgiveness of sins? And how can you believe that me eating an unleavened bread cracker grants me the forgiveness of sins? Here's the Christological background to it. Huh? How can this be? Huh? My son would say, because it's what it says. He works at Westminster Seminary in a sea of Calvinists. <laughs> and many times he'll say, because it's what it says. Okay. All right. So again, the definition, do this again on your own very brief form. Uh, and the closing part on five, uh, number four, again, communicated and given to the assumed human nature, not only incomprehensible, created and finite gifts, but the whole fullness of the deity, the Logos, dwells bodily and personally uh, with all his power, activity, majesty, and glory in the assumed nature and shines forth in, with, and through it, exercising and accomplishing the works of his omnipotence, uh, in an animate body, as a fire heated, as fire, uh, iron heated in fire, or fire in heated iron communicates itself in its properties without any commingling. So here the emphasis is going to be on a particular syllable. That is, as Luther said, he talked about um, Christologies that were floating around in his day, and they always had one thing in common, and that was that they looked down on Christ's body, flesh, slash human nature. And Luther says, no Christ like that for me. Uh, it's one of the most often quoted uh, Luther passages. He will not, he will not, not, not negotiate this. You can just quit before you start. If you want a spiritual Christ, don't talk to Luther. Huh? All right, let me throw it open then for questions. I don't know how we're doing for time. Dan? Uh, yeah, in this morning's gospel reading, uh, and I think you may have touched on this, there's a curious part where the parish gets angry and they, and they bring him up to the brow of the hill on which their town was built 
so they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he, he went away. away. Yeah, is that, that great? Sort of what you, you taught Well, yeah, here again. Um, they're going to take, take him out and throw him off the cliff. Talk about understatement from Luke. But passing through their midst, he walked away. Can you imagine yourself in the same position? Yeah, again, he just decides that uh, it isn't his time, so he'll leave. Whoa. And I brought up some of the others, too, in earlier weeks. Uh, This stuff about uh, the woman who says to herself, if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, my hemorrhage will heal. And it does. Um, There's enough of this that we ought to catch it. We ought to catch it. Yes. Okay, here we go. Um, I understand that it's just if God were to to condemn the whole world and everything because of our sin. Is it proper to say it's just to have Christ pay for this sin? Is it just from the Father's point of view, or is it just a free gift, or both? Well, I think it's. I think we probably want to say both. There are going to be places where we just have to stop. But the best guide we've got is an inspired scripture. And that's really what Chemnitz is arguing. He says, I'm not promising to answer all the philosophers. I really am not. But I do want to deal with this within a Christian circle so that at least we say what scripture does say and that we, we work with that. Uh, again, in those days, it was incomprehensible you would have a loose view of Holy Scripture the way we've got in our century. Uh, there were a few Socinians and a few scholars in their little cubicles doing some doubts about Genesis. But by and large, in that day, hard as it is for us to believe, if you had spoken against Scripture in the general populace, people would have crossed themselves and said, how did the devil bring that into your mind? Now, we're a zillion miles away from that. You quote scripture on anything in the general populace, and you're immediately a fundamentalist, uneducated, certainly not from Manhattan, more likely from Tennessee, and all such crap like that. Um, But it was a different day. So Kenneth says these things, as much as he's given us, we probably should put some time to. Yes. I've wondered about Jesus' healing. Uh, Did did he just heal believers, or were there some people who did not get healed? Well, there were outsiders like the centurion. Uh, Or take the thief on the cross. Look at that high Christological confession. Lord, when you come back, don't forget me. I tell you, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Um, salvation or justification before God is not a matter of mastery of the whole field of theology. The simple Appalachian woman or man who dies saying, all I've got's Jesus' blood. Other than that, everything's my sin, is a true theologian is a true theologian. Now, but Chemnitz is going to say, since there are so many wise asses around, um, then we've got to do some work in some of these things. But uh, one of the wonderful things about classical confessional Lutheran theology is that for the most part, it's understandable by a child. People who come from other confessions know what that's worth. I won't name any particular confession, Reformed. (laughs) But really, it's understandable to a child. And substantial enough, it'll challenge our brightest minds for their whole lives, both. And in our case, it's always going to go to Christ. It's always going to go to his cross. And it's always going to go to... um, Justification, one way or another. This is for us and for our salvation. If I don't do that for you in class, I'm not worthy of being a Lutheran professor. 
One of the nicest compliments I ever got. I was doing these uh, evening services for evangelicals who wouldn't come to a Sunday morning Lutheran service on a bet. Chris was at some of these. Um, And one of the ladies in that parish at Redeemer in Huntington Beach came to me. I, I arrived early. And Margie cornered me and said, I want to tell you something. I said, fire away, Margie. Uh, She said, my impression of you is that somehow you could get from any verse in the Bible to the cross. And I said, Margie, that's about the nicest compliment you could possibly give me. That's typical of us at our best. We will find our way from anywhere and everywhere to Christ and his death and his resurrection in our behalf. Okay, I'm asking that in the coming week you'd look at that paragraph. Dale will walk us through chapter 1, and then I'll open it up if there are things you want to ask about in that paragraph. And then I'll have a new one for you too. In case we're able to get to it, I'll have a new pass out of another chapter. And by the time we do one or two more of these, we are one-third of the way through the book. Now, part of that's because I've skipped certain chapters that are compilations from the sayings of the fathers. Those are there, but we're not going to do them here. Um, But still, we're making that kind of progress in the amount of time that we've met together already. Okay, then thanks for your attention. And I'll plan on seeing you again next week. Thanks for being here. I hope it's of help. There you have it. Good stuff. Would love to know what you think. If you would like to uh, email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so at my email address, talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. Remember, we're listener-supported radio, visit our website, click on one of the friendly yellow buttons. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.